I said, I'm telling you, Dad, don't put your hands on my mother. I'm telling you, if I hear that again, we're going to have a problem. So I went in the room. It wasn't three seconds. I heard a slap. I didn't even say nothing. I just walked towards him and punched him in the face. I punched him in the stomach and pushed him through the window. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show. And we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to interview a person who murdered his girlfriend and then turned himself into the police. His name is Ray Ciaramaglia, who grew up with huge anger issues and was very violent in his past life. And he has a message to share what he learned from his past. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. I so thank you for having me. Ray, honestly, it is amazing to have you on our show, and we want to get right into it. Ray, anger and rage started early on in your life with your father and seeing domestic violence in the home. Is that right? Yes. That and, you know, a childhood tragedy that happened to me as a young boy, then that just escalated into the violence that I've seen in my life and my family. Wow. Tell me about it, Ray. What happened, like, in the home setting that you were in? Well, you know, Italians are very <laughs> physical. And it wasn't even my father we feared so much as my mother. My mother's the one that would hit you with a wooden spoon, which I broke many of those over my back, my butt, and my head. Oh, wow. You know, had coffee cups thrown at me, wow. spoons, whatever she had, a jar, don't matter what it is. I just thought it wasn't like an anvil, you know. Wow. So you grew up in a home of, you know, physical violence and abuse, basically, is how you grew up. And my mother's three brothers, they were abusive to their wives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was evident as an early age. I had one aunt, my uncle used to put her in the hospital. She'd have to spend three weeks in Florida to recuperate and let the black eyes go away. So tell me, there was a moment where there was so much physical violence that suddenly that anger rose up in you towards your dad. Tell me about that moment. Oh, man, it did. It really did. Between all that and then him leaving my mother for another girl. I want to say woman because she wasn't even older than me. And I was 15 at the time. Oh, wow. So there was that. And that really, that was a lot of anger. I, I still wanted to just hit him for the whole stupid thing. It's you're supposed to be father, daddy. You're supposed to be home with your wife and your kids. And he just wasn't doing it. So I saw all that. And I see all my friends. They all got two parents. And it's a real stable family life and all that. But, you know, church wasn't a thing either. That should have been in our lives at a very early age. And it was. And then... You know, it's the whole lapsed Catholic thing, mm. you know, where they go to church for weddings, christenings, and funerals and nothing else. Palm Sunday. But, you know, there was no faith. Yeah. But I'm understanding there is a moment where, you know, you witnessed physical violence from your dad to your mom. Oh, yeah. I heard a slap. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. I heard a slap. Everybody knows what a slap sounds like. Yeah. And my bedroom was right next to the kitchen. She walked out of my bedroom in the kitchen. And I walked out and I said, what was that noise? And my mother wouldn't even look at him. And I'm like, wow, what, what, what's, what's going on? Turn your face. And she went, so I turned and looked at my father. I said, you better not put your hands on my mother. Mm-hmm. And he said, just go in the other room. Your mother and I need to talk. I said, I'm telling you, Dad, don't put your hands on my mother. I'm telling you, if I hear that again, we're going to have a problem. So 
so I went in the room. It wasn't three seconds I had to slap again, but this time he slapped her on the right side of her face, which she couldn't hide from me when I came out the room, and there it was. Oh. I didn't even say nothing. I just walked towards him and punched him in the face. I punched him in the stomach. He bent oh. over, and I punched him in the top of the head and pushed him through the window. Wow. The kitchen window. Uh, my mother, I was going on the phone and called the cops. She's, I didn't even see it. That's how fast I thought it was in my own mind. But it really, I guess it took a few minutes. Wow. And then they came and they're trying to grab me. My mother's like, no, no, him, him. Wow. But, you know, they didn't even arrest him. He just made him leave. And I was like, I was already gone. So. Wow. And that's, you know, it just escalated from then. You know, things shouldn't happen to 10-year-old boys when they're 10 years old. Yeah. And that changes your whole dynamics of your thinking. No, Ray, that totally makes sense. Because after that... I understand that your dad left your mom and left you and your family for another woman or girl. Yep. And then how did fighting and violence play a role in your teenage years and growing up after he left? Well, you know, my uncles were very physical. Maybe they thought it was a good thing that they'll beat you up and say, if you live through this beating, you'll be a tough kid. Hmm. But I mean, I would have bruises, big, giant black and blue and yellow bruises on my arms and legs and stuff. My uncle Peter punching me. Wow. I know he didn't do it because he was trying to be violent, but you bring violence when you commit violence. Right. And then a kid starts to think that violence is okay. If someone makes me mad, I hit him. Wow. If you disrespect me, I'll hit you. And that's how I grew up. Right. Be disrespectful, I'm going to hit you. Wow. Disrespect my family or my friends, you're still going to get hit. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of people who may be listening right now who maybe think that. Think that, well, this is normal. This is how every family is. And I understand that around the area that you were living at the time, it seemed to be more normal within your family and other people's. And I understand that a lot of those angry moments broke out into fights out in the streets with other people. Is that right? Oh, sure. I lived in the projects. I grew up in the projects. And it's funny, too, because people think nowadays projects, you know, black people, Puerto Rican people, very few white people. Mm. When I was a kid, when I lived in the projects, there was one black family and everybody else was white. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the violence was normal. I mean, everybody in the neighborhood was beating each other up. Wow. There wasn't nothing for me to get beat up by one of the neighbors. I remember one time this kid ran up behind me and punched me in the face from the back. Jeez. And about two days later... You know what small uh, candle pin bowling balls look like? They're small. Uh, yeah. Well, imagine that being a rock. And imagine me standing on a seven-foot wall, and I drop that on, on top of your head. Oh. Because that's what I did to that kid to get back at him. Oh, wow. He ended up with like 67 staples on the top of his head. I almost killed that kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that you got involved, and we're not going to say any names, but you got involved with like a outlawed biker gang. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And Ray, when you got involved in the biker gang, basically there was violence all over the place with that, right? Like basically you were hanging out with a group that was specifically violent, like the portion of the gang that was violent versus maybe some of the more neutral gang members. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, most of them will fight on a drop of a dime, not even that. The littlest insult could get you beat down. And if you're not a member of this club, it could get you put in a circle where they all beat you down. Holy cow. That's scary. Yeah, there's a chance you don't come out of the circle. You're going to come out of the circle and you're going to the hospital. Wow. But I've seen it where guys didn't walk out of that circle. Wow, no kidding. So, you know, you're living this lifestyle and then you meet Michelle. Ray, I want you to talk a little bit about how you met Michelle. Well, she was a friend of a friend. My best friend, who was like a brother, his girlfriend knew her. She was friends with her brother, who is a drug dealer. 
Hmm. And it was funny because she was getting a bag of weed out of her pocket. We were going to smoke a joint out of her pocketbook. She opened her little purse and she had all these little cellophane wrappers hmm. and little meth baggies. Oh. I said, what, are you trying to go to jail? She goes, oh, there ain't nothing in it. I said, Michelle, all they got to do is test the resin in the baggie. And you got look about 25 or 30 of them things in there. I said, they all used? She's like, yeah. I'm like, get those out of your pocketbook. So she did. But, you know. People don't realize if you're going to do drugs and you carry that stuff around with you, there's a chance the cops stop you for whatever stupid reason. Mm. And that's going to light a flag and they're going to start watching you. But I didn't like meth back then. I wouldn't even touch it. So I didn't want nothing to do with her mm. because of that. Interesting. But then eventually you guys ended up getting together when you saw her again. Yeah, it was funny. It was Lou. It was my brother's now ex-wife. It was her. She's like, Ray, you're going to the flea market to get saddlebags for your bike. I had a 1992 Fat Boy, Harley mm. Davis. She said, why don't you take Michelle with you? And I'm like, I don't have another helmet. She goes, hey, I got one. I'm like, really, Lou, really? So I'm like, all right. So I said, Michelle, you want to take a ride to the flea market? She jumped up. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I gave her the helmet and got on the bike and we went. And it was a nice ride. We went there, got the bags and went back to my house and smoked a little weed and ended up, you know, in bed together. Wow. But then eventually Michelle would introduce you to certain drugs as well. Is that right? Well, she got me back on all the stuff I ran away from. Wow. You know, I was doing all that up in Mass when I moved in to Florida in 1990. The only thing I was doing was smoking weed. Wow. I wasn't doing the coke and the math and everything else. I kind of put that aside. I was doing pretty good with it. And then she comes like, hey, you want to do a line? And I'm like, yeah, all right. Wow. And then it just kicked the door open. And I was right back to doing drugs again. Wow. And Ray, I wanted to stop there. We'll talk more about that in our next show because I want to get to the point where the violence went too far. Ray, thank you so much for being vulnerable with us and just sharing what happened in your life and to admit that you had anger, rage, and violence issues. You know, it's awesome, Ray. And I want to talk to you on our next show, ultimately, what ended up happening and how you encountered Jesus afterwards. So thanks so much, Ray. Amen. Thank you. Welcome. Hold tight right there. Let's talk more right after the break. Real life is made possible this week with the help of On Fire Merchant Services and our Awakening the Nation's monthly giving partners. If you own your own business taking Visa and MasterCard, call and get a quote from On Fire Merchant Services. On Fire Merchant Services is on fire to serve you. Look them up at onfiremerchantservices.com or call them at 877-333-6682. That's onfiremerchantservices.com or 877-333-6682. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I mean, it's so sad to me when someone grows up in abuse and it becomes normalized in that person's mind and then it manifests outside of the home to society. I couldn't imagine the toughness one had to have where they had to defend their own mother from their own father, which is heroic, but still it's really going to damage a child's heart and mind and development. I can understand how Ray wasn't planning on being a murderer nor a violent person but that he was raised by an environment that was shaping him for that. 
I think a lot of us, when we hear this story, we think of how we were raised. And we wonder, is how I was raised defining how I live my life today? Oftentimes, we're severely shaped by how we were raised, whether we like it or not. But can something change that? Some try to deny who they are, and they try to be opposite of how they were raised. But what does the Bible say? Is it nature or the way you were nurtured that defines who you are and who you will become? Well, Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now, this is a specific word to Jeremiah the prophet. But look at the part where it says, even before you were born, even before you were in the womb, I knew you. The Lord knows you, my friend, and he knows the potential of your life. It doesn't matter how you're raised. God has the power to help you overcome. And I want to pray for you. Lord God, I just pray, Lord, for the person who feels that they're just trapped because of the way that we're raised. They feel like, well, I'm defined by my environment. No, the truth is God is the one who defines you. Jesus, come into our lives and teach us who we really are. The one you made us before we were even in our mother's womb. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. Well, I hope you were blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time.